morning. Welcome to Barat Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact, which is to say that we're heard all around the world and that uh, audience around the world is increasing over time. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. I'd like to welcome you to this Bible lesson. Who is Jesus Christ? At Barat Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. And what has this indescribable God done for all mankind? Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22 remind us, Although you, all of you, were formerly alienated and hostile in mind toward God when you were unbelievers, engaged in the evil deeds of sinning, yet the Lord Jesus Christ has now reconciled all of you in his fleshly body through death on a cross. What does it mean to be reconciled? It means to tear down the barrier that is separating people so that the possibility of a relationship can occur again. That's what reconciliation is. And Jesus Christ tore down the barrier of the dividing wall that existed between mankind and his Father. And why did he do it? He wanted to do it to present all of you believers in Christ before God the Father as holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And the one thing that we know about Jesus Christ, is that whatever he sets out to do, he always does it. He says it, he does it, and he always comes through. And there never was a time, there never is a time, nor will there ever be a time where he doesn't come through. And it was God the Father's purpose to reconcile us to himself as well through his Son, even when we were his enemies. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, God the Father loved the world unconditionally, And he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, 100% God and 100% man and one person forever, to be crucified on a cross so that whosoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but has eternal life. As a result of what the Lord did for us at the cross, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, If anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are in union with Christ, from the moment of your salvation, you are placed into a union with Jesus Christ that you cannot get out of, no matter what you do, no matter what you try. And believe me, people are always trying regularly to get out of union with Christ. It's impossible. If anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are, there is a new creation. It is not 
a polishing up of your old self. The old man things passed away. They died. And behold, new things have come. You are a completely new creation in Christ. And at that moment of salvation, when you're placed into union with Christ, you are handed off to another member of the Godhead, God the Holy Spirit, who is in charge of your sanctification, which is conforming you to the image of God the Son. And he has never failed at his job, and you aren't going to be the first person that he fails with. Only God can do such wonderful things as these, and the Lord Jesus Christ did them for all of us because he is God, and he proved that he is God by being resurrected from the dead, which is what separated him from all the martyrs in the, in the history of mankind who have been willing to die for a cause. He died for a cause, and then on the third day, he rose again from the dead, and that's the only, he's the only person that's ever happened with. He is our God. He is our creator. We love him, and he loves us back. Now, why does Barah Ministries exist? At Barah Ministries, we introduce people to the Lord. We make a difference by teaching the word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. Barah Ministries is provided by God for the benefit of unbelievers to give them the gospel message, the good news concerning Jesus Christ's salvation offer all of you whosoever can be saved if you want to be saved there are a lot of people i had a guy tell me this week i don't need to be saved there's nothing wrong with me okay (laughs) you know i used to argue with people who'd say stuff like that i used to get all mad and i you're going to hell you know which is not the good news that's the bad news But now, I I just accept what people say because you can't coerce them to believe. You can't kick their butt and make them believe. They have have a choice to make, and they make it, and then they tell you that, then that's fine. That's your choice. You know, when I came up today, there were about five or six women who are uh, part of the business that's right next door to ours. They're standing there, and I came up and I said, oh, look at this, all these women who want to come into Barah Ministries and learn about Jesus Christ and what he did for all of us at the cross for our salvation. And they looked at me like I farted in a spacesuit. You know what I mean? And, and I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get why people are so uptight about God. So uptight about it. I don't don't go to church. I don't like church. It has nothing to do with church. You don't like people. And somebody offended you when you were 14 years old, and now you're 55 years old, still thinking back to when you were 14 years old, as if you knew what was coming off when you were 14 years old. You didn't know Jack at 14 years old. But God provides a ministry for unbelievers anyway even though they run their lives that goofy way. Barah Ministries is also provided by God for the benefit of Christians who are even goofier. For those of us who want a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord through the study of his word. When you're in a relationship, you want to get to know the person. And you, you realize that they're changing all the time. And so you have to keep updating what you learn about them because... 
That's not what we like doing. What we like doing is locking in to the person that we want them to be. You know, married couples do this all the time. You know, they've been married for 40 years, and they're still thinking that the person was the person they married when it was 40 years ago. It's not the same person. But you don't notice the change. You need to notice. So if we need to do that with people, It's even more important than we do that with God. We need to notice that God is is a person that is always revealing more and more and more about himself to us. He doesn't change. He's phenomenal, and it doesn't get any better than that. But he's always revealing more and more, and you can't tap that out. You can't get to the bottom of that. You can't know everything about God, because just when you think you know it all, there's more to know about God all the time. So this ministry is provided for Christians so that you can keep on getting to know God. Why do we study the Word of God? We study the Bible to allow God's truth to shape our reality. There are a lot of things in our lives that are shaping our reality. When you watch the news, it's shaping your reality. It's convincing you that you're going to get carjacked by a black guy in a bed, bath, and beyond parking lot. It's shaping your reality. It's telling you you ought to be afraid. I I watch the news once in a while, and I still can't figure out what the significance is of telling me that a child drowned in a swimming pool or that... Two couples were fighting with guns at midnight the other night, and two of the people ended up dead. What is the significance of telling me that? Is that going to happen to me? I don't get the significance of it. But every day we're hearing about another kid drowned in a pool and another couple was arguing with another couple and shot each other. That's not news. That's tragedy. Why do we have to hear tragedy every single day? It has no benefit. But we go to it, we look at it, we love it, we talk about it all. Do you think that's going to happen to me one day? And we get scared. But when somebody says, hey, why don't you listen to something in the word of God? Oh, oh, Jesus, no. There was a church problem when I was 14. Okay. But what does God do? He provides the ministry for people anyway. For unbelievers, for believers, he provides it. Now, why do we study the word of God? We study the Bible to allow God's truth to shape our reality so that the news isn't shaping our reality, so that magazines aren't shaping their reality. I heard a comedian talking about Cosmo the other day. I wish I could remember what she said, but the essence of it was... You're fat, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, that's what they're telling women all the time. You're fat, you're going to die, you need Botox. It was something like that. It was hilarious. I just loved it. So anyway, we study the Bible to allow God's truth to shape our reality. Here's what John chapter 20, verse 31 says. These things written in the Bible have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Jewish Messiah. I wish all my Jewish friends would realize that their Messiah has already come. 
They don't, but they will when he comes again. They'll realize it the second time. They're slow learners. That Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God in human form, and that by believing in him, you may have the resurrection life in his name. The Bible contains the Lord's exact thinking. It is your owner's manual for life. You may not know your parents' exact thinking, but you know God's exact thinking because God is not confused or confusing. But God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. If you're wondering why this planet is so screwy, that's why. Because a complete tyrant idiot is running this world. Principalities and powers, that's the way the Bible describes them. Satan's purpose is to ruin your life. And his strategy against the human race is religion. What he does is he takes the truth and mixes it with lies. And so the truth mixed with lies is a lie. But that's what he does. He deceives people into following false teachers and gets them to worship false gods. The spiritual life is warfare and your soul is the battleground. And our enemy wants to discourage us so that we'll quit, so that we'll abandon our forward march in the plan of God. Don't do it. Don't ever get off of the forward march in the plan of God. As believers in Christ, we follow the Lord's suggestion in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, when, uh, when, when Satan was tempting the Lord to sin, after rebuking his temptations three times, finally the Lord had had enough. Then Jesus said to Satan, Get out of here, Satan. It's written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. How is that for loud and clear? We choose not to give in to Satan's empty temptations. Why? Because those empty temptations are just lies. They dangle, they look really attractive, but they aren't attractive at all. Today's Bible lesson, Christianity is easy until you have to live it. Christianity is easy until you have to live it. Unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. These are among the virtues that make relationships great. These virtues are good enough for God, but the question is, are they good enough for you? They seem simple enough, especially because all three of these virtues are not inborn. They are gifts from our Almighty God. He gifts you. Once you become a believer in Christ, He gifts you with unconditional love. He gifts you with the ability to forgive. He, forget, he gifts you with the ability to extend grace to other people. You don't have that in you. You don't want to do it. I have it in me, and I don't want to do it half the time. Amen? So, all we have to do is use these virtues. But as Christians, we always have a better idea, thanks to false teachers and their false teaching, which encourage a do-it-yourself lifestyle. We treat our lifestyle like we treat our phone. When we get a phone, we customize it. And we think we can customize our life that way, too. You can't customize your life that way because you don't run the universe. God does. And he has a set of guidelines that he suggests about what works. And all of those guidelines are actually truth and accurate. 
We say, no, I got a better idea. I was talking to the kids ministry yesterday about this. You know, the, the Bible says a really simple thing. Don't marry an unbeliever. Why? Because light doesn't have any partnership with darkness. Yet, what do you see all the time? All the time you see believers in Christ marrying unbelievers and then scratching their head and wondering why their relationship doesn't work out. Scratching their heads and wondering why there's a big fight about how the children are going to be taught. They're not on the same page. Why are we shocked? But God says that doesn't work. Oh, no, God, you don't understand. I'm in love. Okay, let's see how that works out. Let's see how it works out, because I'll tell you how. I've seen it work out every single time. I have never seen it happen that the believer pulls the unbeliever over. Never seen it happen. Not once. I'm, I'm dying to see it happen. I have always seen it happen that the unbeliever pulls the believer away from the Lord. And I've seen a lot of cases. You guys know I've met a lot of people. Something to listen to. And that's what the Bible is. Something to listen to. Something to read. Something to study. Something to understand. And something to listen to. So, in today's lesson, as we continue our study of Colossians chapter 1, we'll see God calling us to be honest with ourselves about the lifestyle we have chosen to live. I meant to do this before I left this morning, but I didn't. But I wanted to look back at the last five or six titles on lessons. And I think the last five or six titles on lessons have had a lot of reproof and rebuke in them. And they're all saying, hey, Christians, would you, would you mind waking the hell up? Would you mind waking up? Would you mind living the Christian way of living? Would you mind rejecting the world? I don't like rebuking and reproving in lessons, but it is what I am charged with doing as a pastor. I don't like shaking you and saying, are you nuts? I don't. In my personal life, I don't mind doing that. But as a pastor, I don't want to have to do that. But the stuff that I see from Christians right now is frightening. It's just frightening how much we have allowed ourselves to be pulled into what the world is doing. And it can never work for a Christian. Not ever. We're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. You can't mix the flesh with the spirit and have a Christian way of life. You can't customize your life like it's a phone. Oh, I know what God has to say, but I think I have a better way. No, you don't. You have a way that leads to your death. And I don't mean physical death. I mean the death of everything that you think's important. The death of your relationships. The death of your career. The death of your family. Because he tells us how to live. And what he tells us works. And we need to be real clear on that. So today... We're going to see God calling us to be honest with ourselves, just like all the lessons have been calling us to over the last several times as we venture into this letter to the Colossians.
Okay, enough of that. Let's hear some music. Our lives are filled with challenges, especially the challenges of adversity. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. When we run into adversity, it's not because of human beings. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. One of the kids asked me yesterday, do you believe in ghosts? No, but there are demons. And by the way, you've been watching too much TV. (laughs) Although I did like Casper, the friendly ghost, when I was a kid. So... Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, human beings, but our struggle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. In other words, Satan is organized and he has an army. He has an army of demons and they are out to ruin your life. Our struggle is against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So when we face adversity, we have a reminder from Sarah Reeves in a song, Hey God, you have me right where you want.
Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying the absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for the mirror of the Word of God, which is a critic of thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you for the truth, which encourages us not to be false. Thank you for the spiritual eyes that help us see legalism and asceticism and mysticism and world philosophy for exactly what they are, empty deceptions. Give us the spiritual strength through God the Holy Spirit's enabling power to see the world with spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Help us to reflect your goodness to all we meet. Help us to trust you for the solutions to the problems in our lives and to not lean on the frailty of our own human understanding. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, Christianity is easy until you have to live it. Christianity is easy until you have to live it. The passage under study is Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And as we continue to go more in depth into the passage, the picture God is presenting in the passage is becoming more and more abundantly clear. And when we take on a passage, we go into it and we get things off of the surface. And then we go beneath the surface and there's more. And then we go beneath the surface of that and there's more. And we just keep finding things that start to formulate the message, which is the picture that God is trying to communicate to us in this amazing letter that is four chapters long, but that we could teach on for 10 years because there's so much there. Now, don't worry, Vita, I'm not going to teach on it for 10 years. 10 years from now, I'll be 76 years old. I'll have a walker and I will be in diapers. We are not going to be teaching Colossians at that time. So anyway, Paul, the the beginning of this letter, (laughs) what's your name? What is it? Kizzy? Izzy. Izzy. Izzy's laughing because she was picturing me in the diaper. That's not even right. I mean, I, I don't think you should make pictures just, just between me and you, right? Because I am never wearing a damn diaper. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Never. No. Boxers. Tidy whities Never a diaper. Don't make a picture of that either. So, in the first two verses of the, this letter, to, <laughs> thank you, Denny. So, in the first two letters of this, uh, this chapter to the Colossians, in the first two verses of the first chapter to the Colossians, Paul introduces himself. And he's introducing himself to a group of believers that he's writing to that he, will never, that he has never met and that he will never meet. And so here's what he says. He says, a letter from Paul, an apostle of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, introducing himself and telling, telling them that he knows exactly who it is he's serving and worshiping. By spiritual gift, an apostle. An apostle, among the things that have to be true for an apostle is they have to have seen Jesus Christ in his resurrection body to be an apostle, so there is no more gift of apostle. There are a lot of religions who say that they have apostles. They don't, because those people have not seen Jesus Christ in his resurrection body. By means, and how is he an apostle? By means of the will of God the Father himself. God made him an apostle. 
with Timothy, our brother, who is with Paul as a co-worker and co-author, Colossians 1-2, a letter to the saints, those believers in Christ, and a letter to the holy and faithful brethren in union with Christ who are at Colossae and in the surrounding areas, Laodicea and Aeropolis, grace to you and peace from God the Father. Grace means that God is willing to extend his courtesy to allow you to make mistakes without repercussion, and peace means God has nothing against you. So all the times when you go into your head and you start talking about how God has it out for you and he's got his foot above your head waiting to crush you, that's all satanic crap. That's what Satan wants you to believe about God. That is not how God is at all. And Paul, in virtually every one of his lessons tells us, every one of his letters tells us exactly how God the Father is. He is a God of grace and a God of peace. And you are reconciled to him so he has nothing against you. And you're you're reconciled to him because of the work that his son did on your behalf. So Paul is a man with credentials, and we've studied Paul's credentials in the 12 lessons that we've been doing. But here's a thought that hit me this week. I was on vacation this week on the big island of Hawaii. Evidently, I did something to make the goddess Pele mad and so there was an eruption while I was on the island so I did something to make her mad I don't know what it was probably showing up on the island and so the eruption and the lava flow came but you know it was a really good time for me because the first day I sat down I got up at four in the morning on the first day and I started writing down everything that was in my head and it took 15 pages to get all of that out. 15 pages in three hours, and I was wondering why I felt stressed out. People have been telling me, you look tired. You look stressed. You look tired. Shut up. I am tired. I work hard. And stressed, I don't let myself get stressed. I was stressed. I was so stressed, I was about to emotionally short-circuit. So it was really good to get a week off. So you get all that crap out of your head. And then all of a sudden, the creativity and the other good thoughts start coming. So here's a thought I had that hit me this week. Upon inspection of Paul's credentials, because I went back and read all the lessons we've done so far in Colossians. Upon inspection of Paul's credentials, I've decided that we shouldn't study his letter to the Colossians or any of his letters for that matter. How can we study with a man as flawed as Paul, who admits that he is the least of all the saints, the least of all the believers in Christ, a man who says that he is not worthy to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church of God, which means he killed Christians, men, women, and children. Can we learn anything from a murderer and a rebellious zealot who was opposed to Christianity and to Christians? A man who in Romans chapter 7 says he's not able to practice the things we pre- he preaches? Can we study with this guy? I don't know. So I said, okay, so I'm not teaching the group Colossians anymore or any of the Pauline epistles in the New Testament. So I said, okay, so what am I going to teach? Oh, Peter. So I said, you know, instead, perhaps we should study with the Apostle Peter who wrote two letters to Christians. That'll get us five years. But wait. Peter is a liar and a betrayer. After promising to never betray the Lord, a man who said to Jesus' face, 
Lord, with you I am ready to go to both prison and to death. And then he betrayed the Lord. Let me hear it, Denny. Yeah. So by the time the cock crowed three times, he betrayed the Lord, and the Lord predicted it. How can we study the words of such a man? Okay, forget that. So we're not studying Paul, and we're not studying Peter. How about James? Well, well, wait, James was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He grew up in the same household with Jesus for nearly a quarter of a century. That's 25 years for y'all. For those of you who don't know what a quarter is. Yet he didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he is until after his death and resurrection from the dead, no matter what Jesus said to him. Oh, I wonder why Jesus said a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Oh, who knew? How can we study with a doomsayer? How can we study with a former unbeliever family member of the Lord? Well, if we don't want to study with flawed human beings, we just knocked out three quarters of the New Testament with three people. And, of course, then we can't listen to anything in the Mosaic Law because Moses murdered a man, and he was a coward and afraid to speak to people. We can't study anything in Psalms because David is a conspirator, murderer, adulterer, so we can't study with him, which is why I don't understand why people are always looking at the pastor and thinking that the pastor somehow is going to be perfect. I don't understand it. And that's the problem I have with Christians. We're stupid. We are absolutely stupid in what we expect of other people. I don't understand how two people can get married, and this is why I hate doing weddings, and do this Disneyland crap where he's my person. He's my person, and we were meant to be. And all that Disneyland crap that is a lie. Carol, is that how you got through 40 years with Disneyland bullshit? No way. No way. Because that journey, that 40-year journey, is a circuitous journey of ups and downs and ups and downs and sideways and all kind of stuff. But I guarantee you one thing, when I marry a couple, I guarantee you one thing, I know that both of them are going to betray each other in the course of their relationship. And if you're going to leave, when somebody betrays you, you're going to be alone. Amen? Amen? But we keep doing this. Okay, if unbelievers do that, I get it. When Christians do it, I don't get it. Because the Bible is right here. It says that that will happen, and we ignore it. We hear this stuff every single week. You're in union with Christ. You can't get out. We leave, and as soon as we walk out the door, we're obsessing about our sins. We're thinking about our past. We're wondering why we couldn't have been more perfect in our past and why there are broken pieces along the road of our journey. Because you're not that good. That's why there are broken pieces along the road of your journey, because you're not that good. And neither am I, and I am the worst of all of you. You want to hold me to a standard of perfection? It's ridiculous. 
The only conclusion you could make, because when Christians do that, they're not in their right mind. The only conclusion that you make is they have been deceived effectively by the ruler of this world who sends false teachers with false teaching and tries to get us to accept it. You know how I always tell you that I wish believers in Christ had a plus R stenciled to their forehead and that you could go to Home Depot and get a black light and you could shine it on there and see the plus R and know that they're Christians? Well, there's no plus R stenciled to a Christian's forehead, but there sure is another stenciling that's loud and clear. Sucker. We are suckers when we believe that crap. Suckers. We have perfection. This is Christianity, and it is perfection. Needs no additions, no subtractions. For those of you who are listening, I put a little green box up on the pulpit here. That's Christianity, and in there is a series of gifts that are so big they couldn't even fit in that box. Needs nothing. And we're always trying to help. We're always trying to add something to it. Why? Because the ruler of this world lies to us and says our box is inadequate, and he offers us another box, big red box, with a beautiful white bow, and he says, you need more than that, and we believe him. And so we go out on the path of more, more, more. So, look, if we can't study with human beings, we're in big trouble. We can't learn. I read a book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Have you ever heard of that book? It's a pretty good book. It talks about the differences between men and women, and there are differences between us. And then, right in the front, he says, I've been divorced three times. I gave the book to a couple that I was working with. They threw the book back. I'm not going to take any advice from a person who's been divorced three times. Okay. You can't learn from somebody who has experience. You can't learn from somebody who's failed. Maybe the reason that they're so good at what they do is because they failed. Maybe the reason that they have the insights that they have is because they failed. Maybe you need to not care who your teacher is or what your teacher's credentials are. Maybe you ought to evaluate your teacher's on how much truth they're teaching. False teachers encourage us to think this way because Satan's false teaching minions don't want us anywhere near the truth, don't want us anywhere near truth tellers. They focus us instead on things that encourage us to reject the Lord, to reject his mind, the Bible. And they encourage us to give up, to quit the race that is set before us. And let's face it, as Christians, we think that the race set before us isn't going to be beset with obstacles. What race have you ever been in that isn't beset with obstacles? 
Last night I figured out, and I figured this out a long time ago, but I did something about it last night. I figured out that if I'm going to watch a sporting event for three hours, I could probably go sit on a life cycle and just move my legs and my body while I'm doing it. Now, what do you think the first 10 minutes of that was like? My body was saying, what are you doing? What is this? Go back to the couch. What is this? And I just told my body to shut up. And after about 30 minutes, my body said, oh, okay, we're exercising. <laughs> I used to tell people that I hated running. And so some of my runner friends said, why do you hate running, man? I said, I don't know, man. I just get up every day. I run two miles. I hate it the whole time. He said, the first two miles, your body is rejecting everything you're doing. It's not until about five miles in where your body settles in and realizes that you're serious about it. Yeah, and so now it's Sunday and my hip is hurting. My right hip is hurting. But I have arthritis in my right hip. It hurts anyway. So what difference does it make if it hurts from sitting on my butt or hurts from exercising? It makes no difference except exercising is better for you than just sitting around. You know, all those watches that are out now, none of them say sit around. They also all say get up and make steps. Close the circles. So funny. That's all right. <laughs> False teachers encourage us to be one-sided in our approach to life. We convict people without a fair trial, which is judging. Somebody tells us something about somebody else. We believe that. We never ask the other person if there's a different side of the story. And judging is a much worse sin than anything that somebody could have told you. We put our eyes on people, expecting that they will do something or be something different than what they are, which is human. We are enticed to take our eyes off of Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. False teachers just want to discourage us. And they're successful because we let them be. All right, so that's the first part. The first part is Paul introduces himself, and I'm telling you, we're not going to study with this scumbag. We're not going to study with a human. We're going to keep seeking out the perfect person. Oh, wait, there isn't one. So I guess we'll study with the scumbag. Amen? Because whatever I've done in my life, Paul is a thousand times worse. And that's who I want to study with. I want to study with the scumbag. How about you? I want to be real. I don't want to expect people to be what they aren't. I don't want to have expectations of people without their agreement. That's lunacy. Oh, they ought to do this. They ought to do that. Boy, if they were doing that, then I would be happy. If, if you think that, there's nothing that would make you happy. All right, second part. Paul gives thanks for the group of believers in Colossae and its surrounding area who have learned the gospel and responded positively to it. Those are my favorite people. My favorite people are the people who have heard how to be saved and have said, I agree with that. I want to be saved. 
What God wants from us is spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding that results in a different lifestyle than the one you see being lived by people in the world, unbelievers. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8 say this, We, that's Paul referring to himself and Timothy, always give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for all of you Colossian believers. Colossians 1, 4. Because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus from Epaphras, the guy who founded the church at Colossae, and we heard of the unconditional love which all of you have for all of God's saints, Colossians 1.5, because the faith and unconditional love you have comes from the hope stored up for all of you in heaven, of which hope all of you previously heard in the word of truth, the true gospel, faith in God, Hope in self, unconditional love for others, is the outward manifestation of the Christian way of living. That's what you see in Christians. They put their confidence in God. As a result, they are hopeful in themselves, and they love other people unconditionally. Is this lifestyle showing up in your life? With faith, we trust in a God that keeps his promises. With hope. We don't beat ourselves up for anything, especially not for being imperfect. I was listening to a motivational speaker the other day, uh, Mel Robbins. She's phenomenal. She's come out with a new book called The High Five Life. And she said she stands in the mirror and looks at herself and she sees that her neck is too skinny and one of her boobs is smaller than the other and her ears are lopsided and her hair isn't any good without product. And she said, every day when I get out, I'm just so completely discouraged, I don't want to do anything. That's not the Christian way of living. We don't beat ourselves up. We know who we are. We're not getting up lying to ourselves about who we are. We know we ain't all that. Why do you think I play that song, Nobody, every week for you? Listen to the words. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. The man who rescued me and gave my heart a song to sing. Living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. We're nobodies. Why did Barah Ministries get named Barah Ministries? Because God is making something of us nothing. There's nobody in here who's deluded into thinking we're all that. When I, don't, when I look at you, I don't think you're all that. I know what's good about you, and I know what isn't, and I like them both. You aren't fooling anybody here with your goody-two-shoes act. Nobody believes it. I don't believe it. And I don't require anything of you. I don't require you to be a first-class phony here. Be yourself. But see, you know what I think about when, I, when, when we lose people like Larry? That's a loss, okay? But you know what I think about when we lose people like Larry? I, I mean, it, it's almost like having, having an amputation. It's an amputation. It's like having your leg cut off. Because he's part of the body of Christ. You don't miss a person who's in the body of Christ and not feel that. 
That's a loss. A loss is grieved. So with faith, we trust a God that keeps his promises. With hope, we don't beat ourselves up for anything, especially not for being imperfect. And when we're in a relationship with people, we love others unconditionally because we know that that's really the only answer to human relationships. How do we know? Because God says so. That's the great thing about being a Christian. We don't have to make anything up. And as Christians, what God says to us in his word has to matter to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Why? Because we're in the spirit, we're not in the flesh. We're in innumati. We're in the spirit, we're in Pater, we're in union with the Father. We are in Christo Iesu. We're in union with Christ. We are a new creation. So as Christians, what 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, we don't evaluate people on externals. We don't allow ourselves to distort Christianity into a worldview. That's one of the things that was really interesting about listening to the kids yesterday. One of the kids in the youth ministry is in college now, and he was telling me about a class that he's taking where they're telling him about developing his own worldview. And the whole, the whole message is that whatever you believe is okay. No, it isn't. It's all good. No, it isn't. And as Christians, we don't have a world view. We have a Christ view. We don't look at things the way the world looks at things. We look at things through Christ's eyes, and we see the things that Christ sees, not the world. This guy's parents raised him for 18 years, got a whole bunch of goodness into him, and some goofball teacher undoes the whole 18 years in two months. At a Christian college. At a Christian college. Yeah. We accept God's view concerning people and circumstances because everything God says is true. We don't accept the selfish life that false teachers propose or that our flesh proposes to us. We live the selfless life God gave to us from the moment of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, in case you didn't hear it the first time. If anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are, from the moment of salvation, there is a new creation. The old man things passed away. They died. Behold, new things have come. We are new. We died to self and live to Christ. Are you living a selfless life? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul is grateful for the believers in Colossae who have accepted the gospel, which has come to you, just as it is also coming to others all throughout the whole world, all throughout Asia at that time, without car. The gospel message that keeps on bearing fruit and keeps on increasing, even as the gospel message also has been doing, bearing fruit and increasing, among all of you Colossian believers since the day all of you heard it and truly understood God's magnificent grace. 
unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace are the gifts God the Holy Spirit gives us Christians with his enabling power of sanctification, the things that make us different from the world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, Just as all of you learned the gospel message from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. That's the exact same thing Paul would be saying about me if he knew me and he was writing a letter to Barah Ministries. Colossians 1.8, And Epaphras also informed us of your unconditional love in Numadi, in the Spirit. The Lord tells us in his word that Paul is a person we re- can rely on even though he's the most flawed person of all time. He tells us the gospel is a message we can rely on to lead us to salvation. God gives us human teachers and the truth of the word of God to help us construct a lifestyle worth living. And I'll tell you why I'm a good teacher. I'll tell you why I'm a good teacher. I'll tell you why Larry said, you're the best Bible teacher that I've ever seen. He told you that. He said that because... I was a, a Catholic for 21 years. Roman Catholic, died in the wool. And when I found out that it was bull, I left. And then I moved to systematic theology, which is even bigger bull, for 29 years. And when I found out it was bull, I left. And I had the courage to stand up in front of the people that I was teaching and tell them I had been teaching them lies. That's why. Because that's the journey. That's not just my journey. That's your journey, too. You've been lied to your whole lives about a lot of stuff. And a lot of it you still believe. I'm not alone. But I don't mind getting up on tape every week or standing in front of you and saying it so that the whole world can see it. Ah, your pastor swears. Your pastor swears. He sure does. You don't know the half of it. The stuff... He cleans it up for the, for the lessons. You don't even know some of the stuff that comes out of that guy's mouth. So, the Lord tells us in his word that Paul is a person we can rely on. He tells us that human teachers, he gives us these human teachers to help us construct the lifestyle worth living. Our human teachers are enough. The gospel message is enough. These two things are from God, and they are perfect, and they need no additions or subtractions. But false teachers don't agree with that. False teachers think we need the pretty big, bigger box, more, more, more. For Christians, everything starts with the truth of the word of God. Then Satan comes in to steal and kill and destroy, and he sends in false teachers with their false teaching to take us away from the truth. He is encouraging us to quit on God by quitting on people. I don't believe you had me. So I'm going to say it again. He encourages us to quit on God by quitting on people. And don't get it wrong. God thinks that when you quit on people, you've quit on him. Don't get it wrong. He says it in the Bible. Don't think they quit on you. They quit on me. He is encouraging us to look beyond the perfection we have been given by God 
to the ways that we can improve that perspective. Per, per, perfection with the more, more, more life. I assure you that our human teachers are enough. I assure you that the gospel message is enough. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul speaks for the Lord saying this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. For the gospel of God is the power of God the Father for salvation to everyone who believes, whosoever, to the Jew first chronologically and also to the Greek. And the Greek is us Gentiles. The gospel is divine power. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll take a look at the next section of the passage under study. This song is for you, nobodies. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody. We're trying to tell
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, Christianity is easy until you have to live it. Christianity is easy until you have to live it. God the Father loves all of his creatures unconditionally. And he loves us so much that he gave his son to save us. God is not conflicted at all about giving. Are you? 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say this, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the unconditional love of God abide in him? 1 John 3.18, little children, reference to believers in Christ, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. God is recommending that we be practical and not theoretical in our approach to life. Let this be a time in your life when you realize what God is able to do with what you give. Realize how important giving is to making life an amazing experience for others. Be generous with the gifts that your Lord has given you. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring, always insightful offering messages. I didn't put that slide in there, Denny. You'd probably just take a cover. Thank you. Oops, I knew I was missing something. All right. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Bra Ministries. Bra Ministries is a worldwide Christian church, and this is a place for real people who want to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of God. And lately, I've been thinking a lot about contentment and how, how we see our lives and how everybody sees others' lives and all that. And there's a, there's a term out there in the world they call safe spaces or a safe space. And I think it's one of Satan's many deceptions, but it's pretty funny because... We think there's going to be a spot in our life where we're just safe from deception or safe from problems or safe from anything. And really, there's no spot there that that's going to happen. You know, you look back, Adam and Eve, perfect environment, no clothes, hanging out, chilling, no landscaping to do, no work, just learning from God. They weren't content. Why? You know, why weren't they content? So you think we can't be, you know, deceived? They were deceived. Or let's go back even farther. How about the fallen angels? Not just one angel fell, they all fell. 
They were all deceived by who? Satan. Right? So how are we not going to be deceived? And then, then you have Paul in the midst of all that who was content even though he would knocked off his high horse and he was imprisoned twice. Once in a fancy prison, the second time in a horrible prison. And he wrote half the Bible from there. That's true contentment in any circumstance. And a lot of times we always strive for more here at church or here at home or in relationships. Um, you know, we're looking for something different, but we see in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For the Lord himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? They can take our money, they can take our stuff, or we can not have as much as everybody else, but who cares? If you're not content at where you are right now, you're not going to be content with more or with different or something else. And so Satan deceives us to think, you know, we need more, we need different. You know, he deceives us that God's plan isn't perfect. Or maybe that we don't need God. Pastor said in the, the children or the teen study yesterday, you know, everybody has Google now. They got small G God. Google has all the answers. Google has every remedy. Google has all the connections. I don't need God. God is pushed off to the side. De- deception. We're deceived by Satan to not be content. But we are content. We have everything we need right now. And you think, you know, we're deceived that we don't have enough time in each day for God. Or we're deceived that we don't have enough talent to be successful in His plan. Or we're also deceived that we can't give of our, t- our treasure because we have to hoard it, we have to hold on to it. We're not going to have enough. And this is, we're giving back to a God that we say we love dearly, right? But we can't give to Him. We get alligator arms when it comes to giving. But this is supporting the truth. This is supporting the exact opposite of deception. This is how we get to know God, and we can fight those deceptions in the world and not have to worry about the little stuff, get stressed out, take a vacation and have fun, plan it. You don't have the money? Plan it. God will give you the money. You don't have a ministry yet? Start it. He'll support it. And that's what we do here. We just keep walking forward one step at a time. And so thank you for always giving at the offering and supporting this ministry because this is God's ministry. This is Christ's ministry. And this is really for everybody to get their own pet. You know what pet is? It's a triune God. The Father, He is the planner, P. You have Christ, He's the executor, E. Then you have T, who's T, the Holy Spirit teaching us. So we all have a pet, P-E-T, a planner, an executor, and a teacher. How can we worry? What else do we need? You know, that's supporting us. And it's easy to just wash right off your shoulders as soon as you go out there. Because really out there comes in here with us. There is no safe space. We have to be the truth out there. The truth in each space. And so thank you for always supporting the truth and supporting Pastor Rory Clark, the best pastor teacher on the planet. Amen. Amen. Hit it.
Thank you, Deacon Denny. And for those of you who didn't hear his announcement, his section on the live stream, it will be on the recording, so no problem. You can listen to it later. It's a great message. So today's Bible lesson, Christianity is easy until you have to live it. Christianity is easy until you have to live it. In the third section of Colossians chapter 1, Paul prays for spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding among the Colossian believers. Colossians chapter chapter 1 verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of the report of your faith, we have not stopped praying for all of you Colossian believers, and we have not stopped asking that all of you may be filled by God with the knowledge of God the Father's will, in all the spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding that God the Holy Spirit gives. There, there it is. That What is Paul doing? He's praying and he's asking for what? That you be filled up to all the fullness of God. Who fills you up? God does. See, you don't have to do the work in the Christian way of life because God does all the work. He doesn't need your help. And that's the thing that people can't stand about Christianity. That They can't stand it that God would not be so stupid as to let your effectiveness as a Christian rest on you. See? He's going to do the work. You know why he's going to do the work? Because he's completely competent to do the work. That's what Abraham said. I am fully assured that what God promises, he can deliver. And that was God telling him, telling Abraham when he was 100 years old and impotent that he was going to have a son with his barren wife. (laughs) And he didn't believe it earlier because he took matters into his own hands. He had sex with his wife's maid, slave, and had a kid through her, Hagar. And had a kid, Ishmael. And who came from Ishmael? The Arabs. And what do Arabs hate? Jews. (laughs) Pretty funny, isn't it? God's sense of humor at work. Paul is asking the Colossians to continue the course they've begun by responding positively to the gospel message. And what does that kind of lifestyle look like? Well, first, we learn God's will for our lives. When we were unbelievers, God's will for our lives was that we be saved. Once we became believers in Christ, God's will for our lives is that we grow by means of his grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's will for us is pretty simple. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this, This is what is good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 4 who desires for all men to be saved, and who desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants for his people. That's what God wants for his creatures. As a believer in Christ, is your life unfolding this way? If it is, it is a lifestyle that will manifest itself this way. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. So that, as a result of the Spirit's work in you, all of you, will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God the Father. Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all power, God's divine unlimited power, 
according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. We share in the power that raised Christ from the dead. If that doesn't make us patient and steadfast, nothing will. Colossians 1.12 Joyously giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified us believers in Christ to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul is praying to God and is asking God to give us a different kind of life. What does this life look like? The Christian way of living is a completely unique lifestyle. It doesn't look like anything that the world has to offer. We are pleasing God by obeying him. We are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Let me get a drink real quick. This is straight vodka in a Fiji container. Sorry about that. Better than the Lord's Supper. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Nothing's better than the Lord's Supper. We are doing, uh, we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. What's that? Love, joy, peace in ourselves. Patience, kindness, goodness toward others. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in our relationship with God. We are doing good works. What kind of good works? The kind in Ephesians 2.10, the kind that God laid out for us to do a billion years ago so that we would walk in them. We are growing in the knowledge of God, which means we are not stagnant. And that's what human beings love doing. We love getting to a place and then sitting down and resting. Resting. Rest when you're dead. While we're alive, we're not stagnant. We're always growing, always learning, always getting to know God on a deeper and deeper level. We are living using God's power, and we are being grateful for all of the gifts that God gives us, including the imperfect people that we have to learn from and the perfect gospel message that we get to respond to. And that's what the first two sections were about. This is a life of discernment. We let God the Holy Spirit change us. We abandon our works, the things we think we are doing to polish up God's kingdom, We abandon guilt for our sordid past. All of us have skeletons in the closet, even the phonies of us who want us to believe that they don't have that. We stop obsessing about our sins. We stop reflecting incessantly on our mistakes. We get our eyes off people. We stop expecting things from people they could never deliver, even if they wanted to. We learn to love ourselves so that we can have the room in our hearts to love others. And we notice when the enemy is present in our lives to steal and kill and destroy what is precious to us, and we reject his overtures. We had an old lifestyle when we were unbelievers. We had an old walk, a lifestyle of hostility toward God, a lifestyle alienated from the resurrection life. We are to walk this way no more. Said another way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a command from God. We are not to be conformed to this world by Satan, by his cosmic system of thought, and by the flesh resident in you. Instead, we keep on being transformed by God the Holy Spirit through the renewing of our minds, by the studying of the Word of God. 
Why? So that we may see clearly through the testing of experience what the will of God is. God does not, is not, he does not work in mysterious ways. He works in completely obvious and predictable ways so that you may see clearly through the testing of experience what the will of God is. And the will of God is that which is good for you, that which is acceptable to him, and that which is perfect in result. So here's the reflection of the vacation. So I told you that I was in 29 29 years in systematic theology. And in systematic theology, one thing was clear, the gospel message was clear, that to be saved is faith alone and Christ alone. But there was another doctrine called rebound. And it said that when you commit a sin, you are out of fellowship with God. That is saying that when you commit a sin, a sin that's already been paid for at the cross, God turns his back on you for a period of time. Ridiculous. And that God, when you confess that sin to God, then he comes back into your life. That's what this proposes. And I had the sick thought, the very sick thought, that anybody who believes that is not saved. Why? Because the Bible calls that another Jesus. Now, I've asked a lot of people who study systematic theology I've asked them to document that, just to show me that in Scripture. And I've asked them to explain to me why they believe that. And every one of them who has explained it has said, because I don't think Jesus paid for all of our sins at the cross. It's totally false. So they believe in another Jesus. They don't believe in the Jesus of biblical Christianity. And if you don't believe in the Jesus of biblical Christianity, you're not saved. It's that simple. Or at least I would worry about it. Our enemy, as Christians, is complacency. We want to relax amid spiritual warfare. We can't. Our enemy never takes a break. Paul is suggesting a lifestyle switch from the self-life to the selfless life. Christianity is pretty easy until we have to live it. Christianity is pretty easy until we have to stop being selfish and be selfless. Christianity is pretty easy until we have to accept imperfect people. Christianity is pretty easy until we have to hear somebody tell us something about ourselves that we don't want to hear. Christianity's pretty easy until something in the Bible indicts our lifestyle. Christianity's real easy until you have to live it. Paul ends this section with these verses, Colossians 1.13, For God the Father rescued us, believers in Christ, from the domain of darkness... And he transferred us to the kingdom of the Son the Father loves, the Lord Jesus, the Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, I left something out of that verse, so I'm going to go back to it. God the Father rescued us believers in Christ from the domain of darkness, except 
those of us believers in Christ who are human. Except those believers in Christ who still keep sinning after salvation. Is that what that says? No, it doesn't say that. So why do we add it? Why do we keep adding stupid stuff? What is it? False teachers and their false teaching. Legalism. Legalism. If you just followed God's rules exactly, you would be perfect. Nobody's ever done it. The only person who ever followed the Mosaic law exactly was Christ. Nobody else has done it. The whole purpose of the law. The law came in so that the transgressions would increase. And where the transgressions increase, God's grace increased all the more. What shall we say then face to face with these things? Should we sin? Should we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? May it never be. Ridiculous. That's what God has to say about it. So stop adding stuff. God will knock you off your high horse at a point. He'll rub your face in your crap. See, that's the one thing I am absolutely certain about, that when we look at ourselves in the mirror every morning at 5.30, we know what we're seeing. We're seeing a phony. A first-class phony who's about to go out into the world and put on an act. Not really being vulnerable to anybody, not really letting anybody see who we really are. Just an act. Okay. <laughs> that's what you think life is? Okay. I don't think that's life. I don't think that's the life that God called us to live. I don't think that's the life that Paul lived. I think in Romans 7, he told us exactly who he is. The things I'm doing, I don't understand. Because I'm not doing the things I want to do. I'm actually practicing the things I don't want to do. When's the last time you admitted that? In our next lesson, we'll investigate what this suggests in the matter of the lifestyle God calls us to. The closing moments of our lesson are dedicated to anyone who's here without a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. The sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, wants a relationship with you. This is for you, Izzy. Do you have a relationship with him? And if not, what are you waiting for? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 says this, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, his return, either through the rapture or the second coming, will come just like a thief in the night. How does a thief in the night come? He sneaks up on you. The Lord doesn't want you to be surprised, though, and he certainly doesn't want you to miss out on your so great salvation opportunity. On the day before Thanksgiving in 1987, the news on the radio in my hometown, Chicago, Illinois, was quite shocking. Our beloved mayor, Harold Washington, was dead. He was in a meeting on the fifth floor office at Chicago City Hall. He slumped forward. 
His face rested gently on the desk, and in a moment, he was dead from a massive heart attack. I can remember the day as vividly as if it were yesterday. And what I remember most was wondering what it must be like to get up in the morning as you're getting dressed, not knowing that in a few short hours, you would be dead. All of us will die physically one day. That's not at issue. What we don't know is when we will close our eyes in this life. And my concern is that you may be one of the people who's walking around today unprepared for the reality of that moment. I, am talk I was talking to a young man on a trip to Mallorca, Spain, who was quite unprepared. I asked him if he's a Christian. He said no. And I asked him why not, and he said, to tell you the truth, I don't even think about God. I appreciated his candor. I told him it would be wise to think about God all the time. And he asked why. And here's what I told him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says, All in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being who comes to earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. You were born physically alive yet spiritually dead, and that's bad news. Worse news is that you may not have even known that that is your situation. The good news is that the Lord Jesus Christ paved the way to get you out of that predicament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says this, Yet all those in union with Christ, all believers in Christ, will be made spiritually alive. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to spend all eternity in a relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ provides the plan. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. So what that means is right where you sit right now, you can spend the gift of faith given to you by God and you can use this faith to be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say this, For by grace, God the Father's grace, you have been saved through faith in Christ for salvation. And that grace and that faith and that salvation are not from the source of yourselves, it's the gift of God the Father. So being saved is not as a result of your works, deeds you have done in self-righteousness, so that no one may boast about saving himself. Right now, the Lord Jesus Christ wants to save you. Funny thing about that young man I was talking to, he knew what faith is. He said to me, it sounds like you're saying if I put my confidence in Jesus Christ, I'll be saved forever. It's exactly what I'm saying. Faith is placing your confidence in the object of your faith. And when Jesus Christ is the object of your faith, you will be saved. One thing hit me just now, that... The hotel I was staying at in Majorca was about 30 minutes from the main part of town. And so you had to take a shuttle over. And this guy was the shuttle driver for the hotel. And on that particular day, and no other day while I was there, I was the only one in the shuttle with him. Coincidence? I don't think so. That was God setting up a divine appointment. John chapter 3, verse 36 offers you some truth and a warning. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. That's the truth. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. That's a warning. It's also true. 
Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. How can you get to heaven? Right where you sit right now, you can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the gospel message from the word of God, and I am the resurrection life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven, but through believing in me. Who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, which say, I, Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. And him being raised from the dead is the proof that he is God. So won't you join me in heaven? If you choose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ right this minute, you will be joining me in heaven when you close your eyes in this life. You will be going before I do, but I will see you there. So get everything all ready for me. Get the, get the party ready for me. Amen? Mayor Harold Washington, no. Mayor Harold Washington had no idea that he would not celebrate Thanksgiving in 1987, at least not on earth. Yet he was somewhere. Either he was in heaven or he was in the lake of fire. And quite often my thoughts drift to the young man in Spain. And I wonder what God the Holy Spirit chose to do with the seed our conversation planted. I'm sure the Spirit knows how to get him saved. And I hope to see him in heaven as well. If you choose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll have no concern about the moment you close your eyes in this life. Once you are saved, you are always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. And anybody tells you you can lose your salvation is lying to you. You'll be in heaven and you'll have no chance to go to the lake of fire. Do it now. Don't let the day of the Lord sneak up on you. Well, let's close with song. Fear is a sin. And when you have the sovereign God of the universe on your side, there is nothing to be afraid of, according to Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. God has an answer for all of our fears, all of our concerns. Here's June Murphy to sing her beautiful song, Fear Not. Please do not tremble, no need to be dismayed. I'm God, I'm for you, so who can be against you? Stand firm in the truth, do not be afraid. Fear not, I am always with you. I am faithful, tried and true, fear not, the Holy Spirit will enable you, fear not, weapons formed against you I detest, fear not, you 
cannot be stripped from my breast. Fear not, fear only, not entering my rest. I've given you my best. Fear not. I've not given a spirit of fear that leads you back to slavery. I've given you a spirit of power and love. The more you give in to your fear, hiding from reality, a paralyzed prisoner of fear, you make yourself victim of fear not. I am always with you. Fear not. I am faithful, tried and true. Fear not. The Holy Spirit will enable you. Fear not. Weapons formed against you, I detest. but goody from June Murphy. <laughs> Fear not. Thank you, June. So we close with a doxology, which is words of praise to our almighty God. We, we acknowledge his magnificence with these words. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth, 
of his glorious riches, both of the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Rejoice, brothers and sisters. Keep on being made complete. Keep on being comforted by God. Keep on being like-minded. Keep on living in peace. And the God and Father of unconditional love and peace will be with you. 2 Corinthians 13, 15, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we're grateful for the message today. And we're grateful that you're always calling us out of the world and to the higher purpose that you've set aside for us. Give us the courage to live that life and to reject the world. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.